Insurance is an industry that we're massively excited about. Um, I've been working on this for a couple of years now. And I have to say, in terms of kind of virgin field, in terms of transformation, in terms of um, the things that are happening at an industry level, I've never seen an industry like it. It's global, it's fast moving, it deals with some real life problems which are, are fascinating. Hello, Matthew Grant here. Welcome to the Instec London podcast and welcome to February. How are those New Year's resolutions getting on? Now, it's been a while since we brought you any of the highlights from our evening events, but we were back in the Steelyard recently to talk about the role of payments in insurance. For many people, and I've got to confess, I was one of them, this may not at first seem the most exciting part of innovation in insurance. So we did wonder how many people would come and see us on a dark, January night. Well, we shouldn't have worried and we were not disappointed. We had over 200 people in the audience and some fascinating discussions with major global corporations such as MasterCard, who are sponsors for the evening, as well as a handful of very fascinating startups, some of which I'm sure we're going to be hearing more from soon. In this episode, you're going to hear first from Robin Mertens chatting on stage to Ian Slater, Senior Vice President from MasterCard, followed by Laura Harvey from the Davis Group, then I'm back up on stage with Ruth Polyblank, who is a long-standing friend of Instec London, recently joined MasterCard as Vice President of Insurance. Now, we are thrilled to have had the support of MasterCard for this event, but it is worth mentioning that it's thanks to the over 100 companies we can now count as corporate members, an increasing number of whom are based in the US or Europe, that enables us to bring you these podcasts and the write-ups of the events and our interviews, as well as our weekly newsletter. So if you're not yet a member and we'd like to learn more about the benefits you can get, then please do drop us an email at hello at instec.london. But enough about us, let's get on with the show and hear what MasterCard had to tell us about payments. Who thought payments was such an interesting topic? When we set about doing this, I thought, hmm, I wonder whether we get a full house. Anyway, it's such an important part of the insurance process that it is hugely validating to know that it is something we are uh, interested in and want to know what the future of payments looks like. I'm going to introduce you to Ian Slater, um, who's SVP of um, Enterprise Partnerships. We're going to talk about what that is in a minute. Why are you here? Because I think you do uh, credit card payments um, and, and then you're here in an insurance event. We do more than, more than credit card payments. Um, about a year ago, we bought a company in the UK called Vocalink, um, which is not a well-known name. However, Vocalink run faster payments in the UK. They run the BACS network. They run the CHAPS network. So any of you who get paid a salary, it runs across the BACS network. Anybody who's ever bought a house runs across the CHAPS network. And they run the faster payments network as well. And I think for us, this is testament to the fact that for a long time, we have been constricted into a, a, a kind of payments, um, a card payments uh, bucket. But payments are payments, um, and we're trying to move beyond that. And ultimately, the idea should be that any form of payment should be something that we should be able to manage, and, and to manage globally, not, not just in one market or, or any other market. And that goes for insurance payments. And, and when we look at insurance, there are a lot of payments in insurance. Yeah, it's, there are a lot of people getting paid. So what's involved in your role? Why are you here and nobody else, as it were? 
I sit in a team whose role is to open up new spaces for, for MasterCard. Insurance is an industry that we're massively excited about. Um, I've been working on this for a couple of years now. And I have to say, in terms of kind of virgin field, in terms of transformation, in terms of um, the things that are happening at an industry level, I've never seen an industry like it. It's global, it's fast moving, um, it deals with some real life problems which are, are fascinating. What do you think, from your perspective, the opportunity is? We've watched the banks, who are our traditional partners, deal with fintech and innovation over the past, um, probably over the past 10 years. And um, we as an organization have been at the forefront of that process. And I don't think the bank, there are, I, don't, I don't know if there's anybody from a bank here. I know there are a couple of quasi banks here. Um, but I don't think the banks did a very good job of it. I think they struggled with that level of innovation. I think the insurance industry has taken a very different approach to the process, a much more collaborative approach, um, a less antagonistic approach. Um, the bank, fintech, early engagements were incredibly antagonistic. And I think MasterCard's role is to learn from what we saw in the bank fintech role and to say what can we take from that perspective and apply it into uh, the insurtech industry. And to do so globally, and, and I mentioned this kind of global um, piece, MasterCard operates in 220 different markets around the world. We have 4 billion cardholders, somewhere around 50 million acceptance locations. We operate at huge scale. I mean, in the end, you have the ability to move money between two bank accounts in, you know, in seconds. We, the industry, uh, although a remarkably successful industry, so, so sometimes, despite ourselves, are moving money uh, much slower than that. Like, you know, we we're quite pleased with a six-week settlement cycle. How are you finding the industry to deal with in the sense of, are you finding them open to come in with your innovative ideas learnt in other industries, or are you finding them closed to new ideas? One of the learnings for us is that we, we as an organization focus on the payment, traditionally. You know, the movement of money between point A and point B. And one of the things that we ignore is that people only move money at the end of a process. And that in order to get to that point of money movement, other things have to happen. And it's almost um, a hygiene factor after those other things. So we're trying to work out what are those other things that have to happen in order to facilitate the, the movement of money. If I turn up to an insurance company and say, I can move money for you in 30 minutes, they'll go, well, that's very nice for you, but can you help me with all of these things that have to happen prior to that point? And I think that's what we're trying to grasp at the moment, is what are the things that then lead up to that payment, and how can we facilitate and help in that process that allows us to get to that movement of money very, very quickly? The actual movement of money in a short period of time is a relatively, relatively easy thing to do. But to move money in a way that is quick, efficient, reconcilable, um, non-reputable, all of the things that we talk about in this process and make sense to an industry is a very different process. And, and that's where we want to get to. And there are reasons why it takes money time to make move money. And we, we, it's not necessarily always purely for inertia. And we need to understand what those things are and how can we address the reason why sometimes it takes six weeks to money and still make sure that all the checks, the balances, all the things that have to go around that are still taking place. But you're just doing it a lot quicker. 
And that, again, I, I keep coming back to this point, is that you know, we, are, we don't come from the... If, if you were a bunch of bankers, I could sit here and tell you about why your industry was wrong and how you could tell it better. And you know, I, I sit on other stages and, and put more politely, that's broadly speaking what I say, that is not what we're here to do. We, we don't know your industry, we want to learn your industry, and we want to partner with you to get to a better place. What are the sort of things you could bring, learn from other industries that you think might help us? One of the things that we have started to understand is that in order to be effective, we have to partner. We have to find the right people to partner, and we need to work out what are the components of any given solution and make sure that we have the right components. So from an insurance part of thing, do we have the right people we're partnering with? Are we partnering with the right claims agents? Are we partnering with the right technology companies? Do we know how that process works? And I think we're starting to get to a point where we can actually put together holistic solutions to address this stuff. You hold a lot of store by using what you have and the money you make and kind of making the world a better place. What are your ambitions to, in, in terms of partnerships with the insurance industry to kind of see what you can do to tackle financial inclusion? One of the things that we tend to find is um, if we're going to work with our bank partners to provide payments products, and in many cases credit products, the underlying provision of an insurance product secures that process and it almost becomes a perfect storm because the banks know that they want to engage with these consumers and these businesses but they don't really understand them and they don't really understand the risk associated to them we want to digitize the payments we want to take cash out of the economy we want to make it a more transparent environment but again we can't do that unless the banks step in and therefore having the ability to provide a bedrock layer of insurance underneath it is a fundamental component of that insurance. And so we, I don't actually believe that we can do it without having insurance involved. Ian, thank you. Has anyone got any questions to ask Ian? One of the things that affects those that are early stage challengers to the insurance and insure tech space is time to get to market. Um, how long did it take for your first fintech initiative to get started and what has become the proportion of revenue that has resulted in that early adoption? We have some people from Optal here who I would say were the first fintech entity that we dealt with. People think about fintech as being incredibly cutting-edge, revolutionary, blockchain-based, AI-based, whatever kind of buzzword you want to choose. Actually, the ones that have worked have actually the ones who have incrementally improved upon what was there before and just done a better job of it. Uh, it took about three years to get, it, to get it really going. Nobody remembers those three years. Now, every time I come up with a new entity or a new, uh, a new organization I think people should deal with, or a new industry, the question is, well, how can you get this to the stage that we did with, let's say, an Optal? And how can you get there within a year? And nobody remembers it took us three years that nobody paid any attention to us internally with. Nobody was interested. And it was only when it got mass scale. And then they look at it and it's like, well, this has always been there. Um, so I, it, is, it is not a quick journey. Financial service is not a quick journey. FinTech process is not a quick journey. Ian Slater, thank you very much. Really a pleasure to have you on stage. This is Laura Harvey. Laura, Laura is the Director of Strategic Accounts uh, at, the Davis, at the Davies Group. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, VCNs, virtual credit numbers. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Tell me about Davis Group first. What does Davis Group do? 
So Davies Group are an international provider of operational and tech services to businesses within highly regulated areas, um, including insurance. Um, my specific area of the business is claim solutions. Um, we process half a million claims a year across everything you could think of. So you name a claim, we've probably had a claim for it at some point. Um, and we're based in the UK, Ireland, and most recently America. And so somewhere in your claims expertise, you've looked at uh, virtual credit numbers and you've decided that they have a role to play. Firstly, we better tell everyone what a virtual credit number is. Yeah, so a virtual credit number is a way of transacting payment to a policyholder in our case without the need for a physical transaction, without the need for a physical card, um, and it takes out a lot of time within the process getting funds to people who need it really quickly, um, as seamlessly as possible. Um, very much like if you were to lose your debit card, many banks now provide an option to go to a um, Lyris ATM and punch in a code and you get cash. It's, it's very much similar to the process to that. So effectively you get sent, what, a, a unique code to a mobile phone number that enables you to go to a merchant and redeem it in some way? Yeah, absolutely yeah. that. So it gives policyholders um, in a variety of situations, so some policyholders who need funds quickly because they've had a really significant incident, um, and that could be on a really large-scale claim. Um, so we often think about payment coming at the end of a claims process, but in reality, if your house has just burnt down, you're going to need some money to kind of get some essentials for you and your family. Um, and in a traditional payment process, that's a transfer of funds. Um, we take card details from a policyholder. And actually, if you are having a really significant loss, you're not going to have those details to hand. And you're not, certainly not going to want to spend time on the phone giving them to me so that I can make a payment that's going to land with you in, in three to five working days. So it's all about speeding up that process and getting funds to policyholders to support them when times are really tough. And have you seen any areas where you feel really strongly that it's, you know, VCNs is the way to go? I mean, are you concentrating it in certain sort of niche areas? Yeah, so absolutely. We've been looking at loads of different um, ways in which this technology can be used across the business. And there are some real strong cases for it to be used on high volume, low value claims. So travel claims, for instance, gadget claims. I don't know about anybody in the room, but if somebody drops their mobile phone, that all of a sudden becomes our worst and our most urgent claim going. So we are looking at getting people back to the position that we need them to be in. And if that means their mobile phone needs repairing, and it needs repairing now, not everybody's got the funds to do that straight away. So we're absolutely looking in those areas. But it's come as a bit of a surprise to us when we were doing some research that actually large-scale surges, so floods and fires, really have a, a place for this process as well. Basically, what I've just said a moment ago in terms of getting that person some really essential help, um, insurers can get a bit of a bad rep in terms of paying claims out and delays in paying those claims. Actually, if you are two foot in water and you've got no clothes or you've got no food, we need to get funds to you quickly. And this is a really successful way in doing that. But are the, ins are the insurance industry like them? You know, have you, presumably customers do, if as long as you d deliver, you know, quick settlement of their claim. But, I mean, can you sell them easily to an insurance company as a solution to what they need to do or not? Some. Yeah. Some really adopt um, innovative approaches to claims handling really well, um, and those are the ones we really like. Um, others take a little bit more um, convincing. Innovation means different things to different businesses, um, and we're certainly finding when we sit down with a whole host of insurers or MTAs or brokers or startups, Innovation means something different to, to each of those. Um, 
policyholders do really like it. We're in an in industry where we sh we're asking for a lot of data out of people. Um, and actually to ask a policyholder to share bank details in a world where GDPR is being um, really highly publicised, that, that opens up a load of questions. So does that person want to share their bank details with me? If they're going to get a payment, yes. But as a claims provider, we're restricted then as to what we can, how long we can hold those bank details. So if actually we need to make multiple payments to a policyholder, we're constantly asking them to reconfirm their bank details, which in a growing market of people who are ever more aware of data security, that can become quite challenging. This removes that element of that. We don't need to continually ask for details. It's very much the onus on us rather than the onus on the policyholder. Um, and that's something that we're really striving for. Um, insurers are getting there. It takes time and convincing. And the, the key to this is having some really strong data behind it, which supports why we should be doing it. Um, and we're just getting to that point now. You need a partner. The, the code comes. Basically, you work with somebody and you have a requirement. They pass you the code. You're not the code creator in any way. No. We partner with, um, with companies to create that for us. And so, yes, partnering with a company to be able to facilitate that, integrate that into our in-house claim system allows us to do that seamlessly. But it's, it's all created through a partner. Where will you, Davis Group, be concentrating your firepower when it comes to VCNs? I mean, what's the biggest... You know, what I mean by that is where can you get insurers to use it, where do customers see the most benefit and where is it easiest to deliver, do you think? Yeah, I think it's really um, a case of getting the, the data together now. Insurers are analytical, they want numbers, they want data, they want outcomes from it. Um, what comes with that as a claims provider where we don't control kind of yeah. the, the, the back end of it is that we need to be able to provide data to people that don't want to take the plunge until we give them data, a bit of a chicken and egg situation. Um, so for us it's about finding the right partner who's going to use this in volume so that we can evidence and create some really strong case studies with policyholder feedback to be able to say this is a feedback we're getting from policyholders don't you also want to engage and get that from your own um we got two or three minutes for questions um just wondering what regions and what markets you're getting the most traction in and areas of business yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, so fundamentally, we're utilising this across um, motor, low-value losses, um, as well as um, gadget, niche, um, wedding insurance. So if something goes wrong in your wedding, you don't get much notice that your florist has gone bust. You kind of need some cash. Um, so niche markets are where we're really focusing on. I think areas where we're going to find um, adoption slightly tougher is in the commercial markets and certainly on some of the um, significant losses. There's, there's less of a need for it in that area. But at half a million claims, there's, there's certainly a good chunk for us to go out every year in those niche and commercial markets. Thank you very much. Laura Harvey, everybody. Ruth, you are, uh, I, I think, particularly interesting to have on stage because you've been working for an insurance company, you've been working for some insurtechs, but you decided to choose MasterCard as the place to move next for your career. And I know you, since you've been there, you very sensibly started to figure out what they're actually doing and how all the bits join together in something I believe you call the, uh, the money map. So can you just tell us a bit about what the money map is? I joined MasterCard six months ago working as part of Ian's team in enterprise partnerships, which he outlined earlier. As you so rightly said, I've spent a certain number of years in the insurance industry and working across different types of organisations. Um, 
I built a business for SMEs and microenterprises in the last couple of years, a digital end-to-end delivery business. And coming into MasterCard, I realised, having built something from scratch and grown it, I realised a couple of things, actually. Firstly, how little I knew about payments and how little emphasis we had put on payments, the collection of payments, both internally and externally during that process. Um, And more broadly, given that particularly claims are the acid test of insurance, I've heard that at conferences you know, a dozen times over the last few years. Actually, what does claims mean to our end customers? It means getting the money. It means getting the redress that that was spoken about earlier. Um, And without understanding the process and everything that happens and goes into the, the end payment, how can we improve, disrupt, or innovate that process? So uh, I went out to a network of people, some of whom are here this evening, and we set about trying to create a map of how money flows in the insurance industry, and we quickly realised that was far too ambitious and honed it down to focus on a very particular claim scenario, which was an SME claim for flood. And even within that process, the complexity was so great, the friction was so high, um, and the attributed costs also. um, And it really just proved uh, the case to me and allows me to prove to other people the need to focus on claims innovation in insurance. The more sceptical might might say that sometimes insurance companies make the claims process difficult because that helps them put people off for making claims. But as you've worked through your money map, is there any sort of aha moments for you as you sort of come into this, looked at it from outside, if you you come in from the industry now looking, and like the rest of us, learning about what payments really do? Have there been any things that have really stood out for you that are notable? Well, first of all, I'd say the aha moment is, if you're an insurance organisation that is trying to get out of playing games and and perpetuating that, that reputation, I think you're in trouble no matter how you pay your your, your claims at this point. Um, There are lots of ways, you know, this this idea, and sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not, that insurers want to hold on to money because they make interest off these pots of money. You can make money by playing claims quickly. And, you know, it's been said a lot of the VCM partners that are are here tonight, uh, organisations that we work with, actually reward you for transacting very, very quickly. So it's good for business as well as good for customer. Um, So that's a real aha moment is, you know, don't assume you have to walk away from income to get that customer focus and get those benefits, because you absolutely don't. But what you do have to do is behave like other organisations in other industries and deliver the kind of service that's going to keep you relevant going forward. And part of the job that I'm doing now is working with insurers to help them, help them get there. Great. Well, it's good to know that you're making life easier for people to make, um, make, get, the, get the money they deserve. So let's talk a little bit about data. Yeah, that's a theme that we hear a lot about, clearly you're seeing a lot of transactions, but what does data mean for you from a MasterCard perspective? Um, so data is incredibly important, I think, to everybody in the insurance industry, but, but coming into MasterCard, having never worked for an organisation um, like them before, I was so impressed with the, the, the data capabilities that they had. And reverting back to the original theme, if we're talking about 
good customer-focused clean payments, that means that the process leading up to that payment also has to be really clearly defined and it has to work really well. Um, and that means making as much of that process as binary as possible without compromising it. And data allows us to do that. Um, and a really good example of that is the growth of parametric insurance. If you have absolute finites and triggers to establish where there is a claim payment, and then you can make that claim payment really quickly in a way that the customer wants, you've, you've suddenly got a really good experience in insurance. Okay, and so for anybody that is not familiar with how parametric insurance works, can you just give a sort of very quick overview? Yeah, so um, effectively parametric is where there is an arbitrary trigger for an insurance coverage. So if it's flood, it might be uh, the, the millimetres of water that's measured by, say, the Met Office. Um, it could be uh, for BI cover. It could be your retail data where it's recovered to a year-on-year -year comparison. Um, a really good example of that, actually, um, from MasterCard is... Uh, in the States, in Atlanta in 2017, there was a really significant bridge collapse, which meant that the city had to reroute traffic around Atlanta. And, and businesses on one side of the bridge suffered terribly, and those on the other side obviously made the gain. And the city was responsible for the shortfall for the businesses, the retail businesses, during that, that period for their BI. But they were actually able to deny spurious claims where MasterCard could prove out um, the recovery period and the BI settlement. Um, so that can be used really positively for organisations to deny spurious claims, but it can also really empower small businesses in particular where they can clearly demonstrate and get that security because ultimately anyone who is insured has bought insurance because they want to know that they're going to get paid at the end of the day and they want to know... Um, they want that certainty and that speed of delivery. And if you can uh, clearly articulate that the, this is the, the metric and then you will be paid within that time frame, that's a really good positive way forward. So that's really interesting. So if I understand that correctly, you're saying that even without a specifically structured parametric insurance trigger, MasterCard could go into payments data and actually you basically could evidence where people had actually suffered losses or not on the basis of the the speed of their pay, or the type of payments they'd made? Yeah, I mean, we're talking theoretically, but MasterCard has transactional data that is capable of that. We know that parametric insurance works, and we can potentially work in collaboration to build out those propositions for sure. And it, it kind of goes back to what Ian was talking about, that you know, we have strength and capability, experience and resources, and the best way to take that to market is to partner with people that can facilitate that also um, and have a similar agenda. So on that partnering one, and, and Ian talked a little bit about it, but this theme out there of disruption is still very attractive, particularly to organisations investing in the business. It attracts people coming in. FinTech preceded InsureTech. What's the sort of MasterCard view on that threat of people coming in to challenge you versus you know, the benefit of, of partnering with organisations? Um, I don't know that there is a threat as such. I mean, there are organisations that probably have similar aspirations. I think my first reaction would, would be to look for collaboration with those organisations rather than see them as, as a form of competition. There are a lot of challenges in the industry, um, some of which are very readily solvable, some need more work. Um, and if people have got solutions that they want to bring in the industry, 
you know, my, my first response is to let's sit down and work out where they intermingle and interact to create a broader, more disruptive solution rather than reverting to the sort of product innovation that we, we tend to adopt in insurance. So on, on that one, so if people have ideas, how, how, does, how does MasterCard bring them in to your organisation? Do you have sort of accelerators in there or is it just good luck, you know, hunt out Ruth and convince you that they've got a good idea? Yeah, I mean, there's no one route. So we do have um, uh, labs who um, are minded to to collaborate on innovation. We have a Start Path programme, and I think there are representatives who have come through our Start Path programme. Ian and I are always um, open to have conversations. Um, and really, you know, we're, we're looking for people to come to us with their ideas. Um, and problem statements, we don't mind those either, because quite often we can, we can put different organisations together and start having the conversations and bringing in some of the incumbents to that as well that have the distribution or the capacity or whatever other aspect is required. Okay, so the problem statement might be an insurance company or a broker saying, I want to find a better way to look after my clients. Can you, I don't quite know what the solution is. Can you help me? And then you would pair them up with either some the companies you know will find some new companies? Yeah, I mean, potentially. Um, we're still working a lot of this out. You know, Ian spoke earlier about our success in other verticals, and, and we are part of Enterprise Partnerships, which is a, a team focused on facilitating organisations when they collaborate and providing the standards and the, tr- the layer of trust, ultimately, for them to interact, and then to be able to do that at scale. So... You know, whatever that might look like in the future, I think if you get too married to one concept of how it will work or what is right, you're, you're shutting down a lot of avenues. But, but the key is just to be open and have those conversations and, and see where they might lead. Good. Well, look out, because you may find between you and Ian, you get a number of people coming with, with both solutions and problems, or problems and solutions. So just back to your money map before we wrap up. So you've, you've sort of been putting together all the themes. Is that something you're going to publish more broadly? Yeah, um, we're hoping to have the money map out in the next few weeks. Um, and, and really, you know, it's not a comprehensive um, guide to every movement of money flow in the insurance sector. Moreover, I'm hoping that it's a conversation starter and a provocation for people to think about some of the challenges that we might want to solve. And does the money map have a money tree anywhere on the map? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> uh, do we have any questions for Ruth? You talked about collaboration, right? Being able to share with each other, working with different aspects of the insurance mechanism to really find the efficiency that can be implemented. How do you work, though, when it comes to, and I guess maybe this is a little bit of a hot topic, but regulatory frameworks, regulation, individual countries, in terms of expediting some of those payment methods or ways in which new products are trying to do things differently, how do you look at that and how do you then say that layer of collaboration, I'm going to fold this into the way that we want to operate with these new, with these new companies, with these new ideas? So there's two things I'd say to that. One is that when you're collaborating and innovating and doing something new, most often, not always, but most often, it makes sense to do something small, to master it, and then to scale it. So that limits some of the impact of multi-territory regulation that that you're talking about there. But um, the second part is that 
in the same way that you would go to an organisation, potentially like MasterCard, that has tremendous experience in being innovative and going into new verticals and scaling them, so too do you have to find the expertise that has that regulatory insight in each market that you want to go into. Um, so it's a circular question, it's collaboration again. Okay, well, Ruth, thank you very much for that. It was very helpful. Thanks again to MasterCard for sponsoring the event. And if you'd like to contact Ruth Polyblank, her contact details will be in the episode notes. A reminder that this and all our podcasts are now on our website at instec.london in the podcast section. And we've also now got all of our evening events planned and supported up until July this year. You can also find details about those on the website. But finally, a few words about our newsletter. This comes out on Wednesday morning each week and is our collection of the recent news, forthcoming events or helpful facts that we found interesting uh, and think you will too. Now, we don't just repackage other people's information in this. Each week's episode is handmade using only the freshest ingredients.